What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another installment in the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. This is Kyle Kimbrell. I wanted to tell you a bit about the podcast today as well as tell you where we will be in the next several weeks. So today's podcast was a ton of fun to record. We had a bunch of laughs and learned a little bit as well. And so that's just always the 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 best combination, in my opinion, is a bit of laughter and a bit of learning. So um, if you are a procrastinator, you have not signed up for our course in Kansas City this weekend, there will be a few hours left to do that by the time this podcast comes out on July 16th. So feel free to sign up and enjoy and, and enjoy the course there this weekend. After that, on August 1st, we'll be in two different spots. We'll be in Falls Church, Virginia, and we'll be in Memphis, Tennessee. So those courses are looking good, and we look forward to, to being there. And then on August 15th, we'll be in Golden, Colorado at our, at our friend's spot, Next Level Sports Performance. Great place, great people, guaranteed to be a good time. No idea if we'll be able to grab a beer or anything after, but um, if we can, we will. Then we'll be in Austin, Texas on August 29th. I am firmly convinced, this is my opinion, this is not medical advice, but I'm pretty sure that Texas barbecue brisket will cure coronavirus. So take that for what it's worth, but it's just my opinion. And then we're going to kind of go on both ends of the country on September 12th. September 12th, we'll be in San Diego, California at PRN Physical Therapy, my buddy Sean McCune down there. And then we'll be in Long Island, New York at St. Charles Hospital, their sports medicine group run by John Ebinger and Keith Levinson. Great guys, been doing BFR out there for a while, good follows on Instagram and Facebook and all of that as well. And then after that, uh, on September 26th, we'll be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as well as Little Rock, Arkansas. So a couple different places on September 26th that you can find us. And that's enough for now. We don't need to tell you about everything going on in 2020. Obviously, we'll be abiding by CDC guidelines and and, and, and whatever else we need to abide by to, to make these courses safe for everyone that is there. And we look forward to seeing you there. So on today's podcast, we have Sherry Johnson. Sherry is an equine sports medicine veterinarian. Yeah, she's working on her PhD. She's doing some BFR research with horses. And today's conversation was just a ton of fun. We all just thoroughly enjoyed it. And we look forward to having Sherry back at some point to tell us what she found out with her research. So for now, sit back and enjoy about the next hour of us just kind of laughing and talking about horses and BFR. This is the Owens Recovery Science Podcast, hosted by physical therapist Johnny Owens. All right, welcome back to another Owens Recovery Science Podcast. This is Johnny Owens. We've got our whole crew on here today, um, and this is going to be a super cool podcast because this is one we've been trying to, to do for a while. We've been talking about it. Um, I'm going to go over who we have today in a little bit, but here's the first question I have for our group. Who here has actually ridden a horse? I have. Yeah. Like, has, yeah. Really yeah. ridden. Like not at a fair. You know, you're like on the little, yeah. you know, someone's walking along next to you, really ridden a horse. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you, I worked at a church camp one summer in college. I'd never ridden a horse before, and I have to take my cabin to the Wrangler. And I think I'm going to drop them off. And they're like, oh, no, you've got to go, Kyle. You've got to ride with. I'm like, 
oh, I'm going to play this cool. So they give me the horse, and as the wrangler rides away, the person that's going to lead the ride, she goes, hey, be careful with that one. It's kind of skittish. <laughs> this damn horse is running me into trees and branches. <laughs> and were you wearing a cowboy hat? No, I should have been. I wasn't. I had a baseball. All right. So the one person I haven't heard say anything, Zach, have you been on a horse? Mr. Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my neighbor growing up had uh, probably like four or five horses. And, uh, you know, I mean, we, nothing serious, nothing like Kyle there. But, you know, we would just kind of jump on a ride every now and then. But, uh, yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I got you guys beat. All right. So I'm, I'm from... I'm from West Texas, Lubbock, Texas. Um, and so I have some cousins that I, my dad would punish me with every now and then and send me to go hang out with them in Crane, Texas. Sherry, have you ever heard of Crane, Texas? I have actually. You have, okay. You're yes. one of the only people in America outside of Crane, Texas and those are Crane, Texas. So local yokels, my cousins there and my dad sent me there for like a week to hang out with them and they have horses. I've never been on a horse in my life. I think I'm like eighth grade. Um, and so they get me on a horse and I almost freaking die. It freaked me out. And then on my last weekend there, they said there's like some kind of kids rodeo event and they enrolled me, um, in this rodeo event. I'm, I've been on a horse for like five minutes before that. And I, I was a city slicker cause I'm from Lubbock cause, cause we have a mall in Lubbock, you know? So I was like the city <laughs> slicker cause we have, you know, not a strip mall, like an indoor mall. And that those bastards, they enrolled me in a barrel racing contest. And I was the only guy in the barrel racing contest. It was, it was just a bunch of young girls like tearing me up and I couldn't get around one barrel. I swear to God, that's a true story. And I've never <laughs> been on a horse since that was the last time I was on a horse. Mm -hmm. So that being said, today we're going to talk about blood flow restriction and, and, and horses and equine and some really cool kind of concepts and some fascinating things. Um, before we kind of get into our guest and our intro there, um, I kind of want to just kind of go over things that have happened here recently. It's COVID's kind of wiped us out. Um, you heard in the intro, though, we're getting ready to start courses up again. Luckily, we have courses starting up in Europe. Um, so if people are interested in attending an Orange Recovery Science blood flow restriction course, check out our website. Um, we've been doing some things virtually. Kyle, you just did um, something for California. What was, what did yeah, I did, I did a, a webinar on BFR, just kind of a, an introduction and then talk basically about what I think we really feel comfortable saying we know and then tried to lay out, you know, what are we kind of curious about? And then also really, you know, where do we see this thing going? You know, and for us, um, as we've talked a number of times here, we're, we're really interested in, in the medical side of things, you know, really kind of getting into these, these people that are, are disabled with spinal cord injury and, and, and various things as we age that happen to, to muscle and all kind of different other really sort of um, um, in, intense conditions that, that people need to rehabilitate from and can BFR maybe assist in that. So that was for the California Physical Therapy Association. I believe you can go to their website and watch it. I don't know that you really want to look at my face that whole time. So you can just kind of watch. Yeah, the you, can, you can just listen to audio, which is what yeah, most people they, do. Yeah, they made me have my camera on. 
I don't put a little powder on my bald head so the shine yeah. wouldn't so great, you know. But yeah, it, it's not working today. So yeah, I know that's I know. cool. I so go check out the California Physical Therapy Association website. They might check it out. I also put out there our APTA monograph just went through final proofs. Um, and so that's going to be up. We all worked on it here as a group. Uh, the listed authors on it are me, um, Dr. Stephen Patterson out of the UK and Dr. Luke Hughes out of the UK. But it's, it's a big monograph. It's on the APTA orthopedic sections, um, continuing education um, site, 311 references. Um, it's a beast, but we're pretty proud of it. I think it's probably the most up to date um, kind of blood flow restriction science uh, monograph that you're going to be able to find out there. Um, and also just want to throw out the PACER project is on YouTube. That was also with the American Physical Therapy Association, um, the cardiovascular pulmonary section. So if you just put in COVID um, and blood flow restriction, you should be able to see it. Um, you can get CEUs for it if you go to the actual APCA website and check it out. Although now there's I, there's a uh, COVID BFR paper that came out, I think out of Italy. Is that right? Has anyone read that? Spain. 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 Did, I read those, it. It was kind of a hypothesis. Pumps? Did they steal yeah, my crap? Yeah. Okay. Just... No, they watched they, your video yeah. and they put it in a theory paper. I mean, that yeah. was, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a real strong paper. Okay. Good, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. as long as mine was out there first, I'm, I'm claiming yeah. rights. Um, but I, I'm pretty proud of it. So if you're around, um, check it out. Or if you're around, if you get a chance, check it out. Um, let's see. We're, again, with the Europe stuff, I just did a big uh, question and answer it with, um, in, out in Italy with the Ability Group, um, who is an amazing group, who's our partners out there. Um, and I think they're gonna put that on their website, Ability Group um, out of Italy. Um, it's probably all in Italian, um, except for my part speaking with subtitles, but but that was pretty cool. We had a, we had a really big crowd for that. So- Ben translated for that. Ben did? Well, yeah, ben, I, I ben helped, did helped you figure out how to pronounce things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All I, all I know is I had to look up Tutti because I kept hearing it, Tutti, it's a Tutti, Johnny Tutti. Um, and I already I forgot what Tutti is. I, think it I was, was wondering when that, that accent was going to come out. It was, uh, tutti, Johnny, Tutti. <laughs> I think we said it meant okay or something, right? Didn't it? It was just something kind of generic. I think, I think it's all. So it was like, oh, thanks okay. all, thanks all. But yeah, I, I couldn't stop saying Tutti for a week after so that. So Tutti Fruity is all the fruit then. Exactly. I'll remember yeah. it now. Cool. Anything else you want to talk about? We got courses coming finally, we hope. Um, wear your mask so that we can start getting out there again and we slow the spread. Um, cool, anything else? All right, let's do this. this. This is going to be super, super cool. So I have Dr. Sherry Johnson on today. Um, she's a veterinarian. Can I, if I say vet, is that okay, Sherry? That's, um, yeah, I'm, that's great. Okay. Okay, so she is a veterinarian. She went to uh, Iowa State University, and then after that, went to the Equine Medical Center of Ocala, um, where she, and then she went on to Colorado State University doing a diagnostic imaging um, for a year. Then she went on to the residency program of equine sports medicine and rehabilitation at Colorado State University. Is, is CSU like the the like the bomb like the place to go for equine rehabilitation i mean i think so johnny like okay, well you know i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah right. no they they definitely have one of um the oldest and most established um, equine sports medicine residencies in the country okay that's what i've heard um at the orthopedic conferences so i just i didn't want to throw out you know any fakeness there and then um, she's a diplomat of the american college of veterinary sports medicine and rehab 
And, and basically in the last few years, she's just kind of been crushing it. She has her, getting her PhD from Colorado State University with a specific research focus on novel rehabilitation um, modalities related to tendon healing, as well as other things um, and multiple awards. So she's received the American Quarterhurst Foundation Young Investigator Award, the Equus Foundation Research Fellow, most recently granted the Stormcat Career Development Award in 2020, Iowa State University's 2020 Young Alumni Award, um, and she's co-founder of Equine Core, which I think we'll be getting into as well. And she's a partner in what is Equine Sports Medicine Rehabilitation, ESMR. And you go to their website. They've got really cool stuff because I want to talk about some of those case studies of these horses um, before and after. And um, the pictures you have of their butt, you know, like before and then the next, it's like huge. It's, it's not safe for work if you're a horse on your computer, but... Um, That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> People look at this like horses, and it's like basically picking up the swimsuit issue for dudes, oh, I think. Well, it's, it's leading into their Instagram page, so it's, you know, it's kind of... Right. So basically, I can tell everyone was on looking at the horse butts on their yeah, website did, right now. Yeah. Huh? Doing okay. the research, yeah. Yeah. Super cool. And I was so excited to come on today, Johnny, because I knew there would be so many entertaining things said about horses on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be able to to live down. Well, yeah. Well, we'll try and we'll try and be, behave at least a little bit. <laughs> Sherry, thanks so much for coming on. Um, and and obviously, what we're going to talk about is is you are are looking at blood flow restriction and its application in the in the equine models. And so, um, Zach has been working more with you directly. So I know Zach's kind of going to take it with a lot of questions and, and unless you get tired of them and, and we can just, I can clear them out. I control the zoom on my end. Okay, perfect. I'm just, I'm glad to have that option, Johnny. Cool. Cool. All right, Sherry. Well, um, you know, I think one of the first things that we can do is probably just talk about the process that it takes to become a veterinarian and maybe compare and contrast that with what we get out of the medical schooling process for uh, dealing with humans. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So to give you guys kind of some background on, you know, the veterinary line of curriculum and what it takes to become a veterinarian, um, typically students will apply uh, with an undergraduate degree. They don't always have an undergraduate degree. Sometimes they just hit the prereq classes. Um, but for me, I actually did five years of undergrad training um, before I had applied to veterinary school. And then the training itself in veterinary school is four years. So typically you do three years of classwork and then your final year is clinical rotations. And when you go into vet school, you learn about all of the species um, and all of the types of medicine. So parasitology, pathology, um, exercise phys, um, you know, you learn about all of those types of things. And then when you graduate and you become a veterinarian, you can ultimately kind of go into whichever area of practice that you want. And for me, once I graduated um, veterinary school, I always knew I wanted to work on horses and I always knew I wanted to work on horses with orthopedic injuries. So I don't deal with mares, I don't deal with reproduction, um, I don't deal with internal medicine, things like that. I strictly work on um, athletic horses, horses that work for a living and that are considered basically professional athletes. So after my veterinary training at Iowa State University, I went and did um, an internship. So that's a, a year of training where you're kind of called a baby vet. Um, you train with specialized veterinarians 
and you really just kind of start to get your feet under you and you can do internships if you're a small animal or if you're exotic or going equine you know whatever the case may be but um, I went to um, Equine Medical Center of Ocala, just like Johnny said, and did my year-long internship there. And following that, I applied for the sports medicine residency through Colorado State University. And they, at that time, had actually had it as a four-year program. So you did a year of just imaging training before you actually started the sports medicine residency, which was huge. Because as you know, in the sports medicine field, um, so much of what you're prescribing for patients and monitoring and diagnosing is based on your original imaging findings. And for horses, we do lots of ultrasound. Uh, we do MRIs, we do CTs, we do bone scans, um, you know, kind of everything that you would be able to offer your human athletes, we also are able to do for horses. So um, did that year of imaging training and then transitioned into the sports medicine residency through Colorado State University. Uh, my residency was a little bit different because it was actually funded by Equine Sports Medicine LLC, which is the big truck, the modified NASCAR trailer practice that I think we're going to go into here in a little bit. So I kind of came out as very much a hybrid of academic and private practice worlds because most of my clinical training was under Dr. Dave Frisbee um, and Dr. Alan Donnell. And Dr. Frisbee is an orthopedic surgeon out of Colorado State University. And he and Alan actually owned the practice, Equine Sports Medicine LLC at the time. So we would actually go out. Um, the modified NASCAR trailer serves the quarter horse show circuit. So we would go out and support those equine athletes that were in active competition. And then I would come back to Colorado State University. All of my research has been out of CSU. So it ended up being this hybrid of, you know, practicing in the private practice world, but having a very heavily based um, research focus here at CSU. And once I got done with my residency, my, my partner and I, Dr. Josh Donnell, actually bought the practice, Equine Sports Medicine LLC. So that's been about two years ago and I transitioned into a PhD program and the PhD is, you know, kind of what we're here to talk about mostly today and um, the exciting things that we have going there. Yeah. So I, I think one of the things that's really interesting is when you talk about the NASCAR kind of modified truck and trailer. Um, and I think we have a picture that we'll put up on like the social media that basically show everyone what it is, but uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that in a brief story about how I met Sherry was um, last June, I think it was June 2018, I did a course in Lexington, Kentucky at Bluegrass Orthopedics, and that was the second time I was there. And um, I'll never forget, I was on the way to the airport, literally on the shuttle to the airport, and I get a text from Melissa, who kind of coordinates all our courses, and she's like, hey, we, we just had a veterinarian sign up for the course tomorrow. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. I'm like, dude, I was like, this person has to be affiliated like somehow in Kentucky. And then when I get to the course, like Sherry shows up and here she's from Colorado. And, um, you know, so we did the course and whatnot. And then um, she goes, well, man, like I'm going to be in Georgia uh, like next month or at the end of the month, you know, and, you know, we can talk about things in you know, maybe try some things out there to see if like this would actually work because very limited data, like two published papers with uh, equines. And um, so I show up and I'm like talking to her. I'm like, where are you at? Because the, um, the equine center here in Georgia, 
is where they did the Olympics in 96. So it's just outside of Atlanta, just east of Atlanta in a place called Conyers. And she goes, oh, just drive around. You'll see like the big tractor and trailer. And I was like, what? And I pull up and it is a legit NASCAR tractor and trailer that uh, is a full-on vet clinic. Um, anything that that horse needs um, while they're there um, participating in whatever events you guys can do, right? Yeah, yeah, we're really proud of it, Zach. And like you said, it is a modified NASCAR trailer. And, you know, my partner, Josh, and I, we bought the practice. So we didn't have to do any of the heavy lifting on the designing uh, of the of the truck itself. But that was Dr. Alan Donnell and Dr. Frisbee, who had actually, you know, pioneered that practice. So we were fortunate to have bought it. But it is, it's literally a, a modified NASCAR trailer. Um, we can actually fit two horses in it at the same time and, and work on two horses safely at the same time. And we have, everything has been modified for mobile transport. Um, so we, we take all of the equipment with us and the dimensions, we actually have a little Nissan Cube car that actually fits up into the back yep. of the trailer. So we'll <laughs> actually bring the car with us and I tell people we're kind of like rock stars, you know, we travel around and people pay money to come see us at horse shows. Um, and yeah. other people might call us like the carnies of the vet world, you know, you never know. <laughs> but um, but it's, it's a super cool outfit. Um, we're able to do the really high end sports medicine stuff. So we have the capability to do the fancy biologics, the PRP, the IREP, we can pull stem cells. We've got our digital x-ray machine. We've got our ultrasound, um, you know, and everything has kind of been fine-tuned. And, and we have a whole group of people that help us get to the horse shows and get there safely and set up. And um, kind of our our main guy is, is a, a guy named Randy, and he'll probably um, laugh when, when he listens to this podcast. But he's the one that drives the truck. He sets it up. He makes sure everything works. You know, people always say, Sherry, sure, did you drive the semi here? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> That's Randy. He's he actually. I was wanting to know that actually. I was gonna ask the question of you. I was gonna think it was even more awesome if you drove it. Yeah, uh, no one lets me drive that, and that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. And one time, you know, I was kind of new to the truck during my residency, and Randy said, "Do you want to pull the cube up into the trailer?" And my eyes got huge, and I was so excited. I was like, "Yeah, I do." Well, then I realized once you get up in there, how do you get out? We yeah. actually have to climb out through a window. So he got pretty good. <laughs> laugh yeah. out of that but you gotta do, do, do to hazard that thing but yeah exactly. so. I, feel, I feel like there was an important part of this story that was left out I mean like Cherry so during the course hearing Zach talk about BFR I mean was there a, a point in time where you're like well Zach is is such a, a specimen such a horse of a human this this must yeah. work really well right. we can probably <laughs> translate this to horses Right. So well, then we're going to have well, to step, we're going to have to take a few steps back if we're okay. like really going to do that story justice. Yeah. Okay. It's not that, that actually, that, that happened in the first break actually. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's not something we no, it would be the little, it would be the pygmy horses, the little small ones. <laughs> the little, little Shetland pony. Yeah. The short yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. So, okay. Up, so here's, yeah, here's how it actually yeah, she yeah. came up in the first break to introduce herself to let her know, let me know that she was the veterinarian, and uh, yeah, she complimented me on my physique and my training. Yeah. Oh God. And and so we said, I I said, well, Sherry, if we can get the cuff around my leg, 
I've no question that it'll go on a horse's leg. None whatsoever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and you run at the same speed, and, and there's a lot of, of carryover there. You know, it'd be, it'd be yeah, very similar. So, yeah. Sherry, what are some horse injuries that, that you kind of deal with? I, I mean, I know that's one thing maybe we should share is it's all orthopedics and physiology, yeah. and uh, yeah, a so horse and a human isn't as far off as we think. Yeah, completely. Um, so, you know, we wear two hats within our practice. We do have the modified NASCAR trailer that goes out and helps, you know, the actively competing horses. We also have a home base rehab center that's fully equipped in Whitesboro, Texas. So we're based out of Northern Texas and it's a center where um, horses actually come to rehab from a variety of injuries. So we will deal with um, soft tissue injuries, bone marrow lesions, bone bruising, horses with significant osteoarthritis, um, you know, kind of anything and everything that encompasses orthopedic injuries in horses, they will actually come to our center and I manage the rehab plans of those horses from the ground up. So we take a very global um, approach. We manage their nutrition, we manage their shoeing, we manage all of their custom physical therapy that gets prescribed as well. So every single horse in our program has a custom plan that was built specifically for them. And that plan is based on their original injury, the extent of their injury, um, what they actually do for a living. So similar to you guys, you know, you wouldn't um, physically rehab a ballerina the same you would as a bodybuilder. There's significant differences in what those two athletes are expected to do. So we take that same approach to the horses. Um, and every single one of their plans is custom built. It's built mainly on physical therapy and targeted um, strength training. So we work on the biceps femoris. We work on building strength through the middle gluteal, the major pelvic stabilizers. Um, you know, for example, we might work on building strength and flexibility through the thoracic sling and girdle um, so that horses from a core perspective are better equipped to protect their legs. So we come at it from a different perspective, you know, we have a, a pretty unique take on it, but that's ultimately what has made our rehab program much different than other, other places that are out there. So <clears throat> we work really hard with those horses. We get horses from all over the country. We're very high volume. We're the only uh, veterinary specialist owned and operated center in the state of Texas and one of only a handful in the country. So we're extremely proud of that. But like you said, there's, there's so many similarities that exist between horses and humans, and especially on the athletic front. Um, you know, not all horses are built the same. Every single one is different, and they all have a little different constitution, just like your human athletes. Um, the biggest difference with us is obviously they can't tell us when it hurts. They can't say that was too much, that hurt, you know, that session, we got to knock it down. So we as veterinarians have to become really crafty um, and it takes a long time and a lot of training to, to, to start to flush some of those things out. I think you're lucky that yep. your patients don't talk to you. Um, <laughs> the owners do enough talking. John. Yeah, they do. Do, do the, does a forelimb get hurt more than the hind limb or? Is so Johnny, interestingly, you should ask that. We actually um, did a retrospective analysis of um, 10 years worth of lameness data that came from the truck practice actually. And it's a, a manuscript that's in the process of publication. So we've submitted it, we've got made, you know, revisions back and we're in the process of getting it out the door. 
Um, but we were trying to answer that specific question about, you know, what are the most common sources of anatomic lameness within Western performance horses? And forelimbs were, you know, the most affected region, um, but we actually break it down by specific joints on the hind limb um, and how often horses presented with different um, types of lameness. So it was, it's really fascinating. And we're starting to make leaps and bounds on the research end of things about, you know, these repetitive injuries, you know, the bone marrow lesions, the concussive forces, all of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of research being done right now looking into those injury patterns in horses. Very cool. One, uh... Uh, when you were talking before, before Johnny asked that question, you were talking about, you know, the, the challenge of, you know, understanding and determining when you've done too much or when the horse has done too much in a session. How do you go about teasing that variable out? Because that's a pretty important thing. I mean, because, you know, we get feedback from patients that are like, man, I was sore for, you know, three days or, you know, what have you all. I'm completely fine, ready to continue on. How, how do you tease out when you've done enough or when you haven't done enough? Yeah, that's also a great question, Zach. So to kind of take one step back to just familiarize you guys with the overall lameness workup um, on horses, you know, you go to the doctor and you say, my knee hurts and it hurts right here within my knee. And obviously with horses, we don't have that luxury. So what we do is we go through a process called diagnostic analgesia or blocking, and we will basically perform a series of nerve blocks or joint blocks with um, mepivacaine, so similar to you know getting a dental procedure done, we will actually go in and, and regionally desensitize certain areas of the horse's limb until we figure out where it's coming from. So if we have a horse that is a grade three out of five lame at the baseline um, examination and we desensitize the nerves that innervate the foot and the horse goes sound, then we know it's coming from the foot and then we have a region that we can then focus on. So once we have that region identified, then we'll typically image it. So we'll shoot x-rays, we might do ultrasound, you know, if it's a long-standing thing, we might pursue an MRI, something like that. Um, so then we know which region that we're working on and, and once you get that specific diagnosis as you can, um, then building the horse's rehab plan in and around that injury then becomes the next step. And we really rely on longitudinal monitoring um, to assess response to therapy and response to rehab programs. But we also have um, a few objective outcome measures that we can use for horses. Um, we'll take circumferential measurements, so looking at the overall amount of swelling, we might look at the amount of swelling on the ultrasound image itself. Um, we do use goniometers so we can actually measure the joint angles and the joint range of motion that the horse is able to comfortably go through. Um, so those are all things that we, we use. And a lot of it is subjective. You know, is the horse better, same, or, um, or worse, actually? And how, how do we tweak the rehab plan in and around that clinical progress? And it's very much the same as what you guys do on the human physical therapy end. Um, just the main difference being that they can't, you know, verbalize and tell us. Although horses do communicate quite effectively sometimes with uh, things they're passionate about. So, <laughs> but, you know, we've had the chance to work with such neat horses that do amazing things for a living and just are incredible athletes. 
And if you think about it, um, you know, cutting horses that, that actually work cattle for a living and do those really torsional movements, they're similar to a tennis player. Um, we have three-day eventers that do um, a variety of aerobic and, and anaerobic activities that are similar to the triathletes. Um, we have sprinters, the same as what you all have. So the intricacies of what that horse does for a living and how we tailor that rehab plan become very important because, you know, I don't rehab a barrel horse the same as I do a Western all around show horse. Those are two totally different things. And we've been able to learn a lot more about what's successful or not successful based on clinical response to, to rehab programs, um, trying to tease that out. And, you know, of course we like to integrate new technology and, and BFR, I think the personalized BFR for horses represents that new frontier of, of where we're headed. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll get to BFR here, um, next, but, uh, the one thing I think that would be pretty interesting, because I didn't know this, and I don't know if Johnny Banning-Kyle knew or realized this either, but a lot of the modeling that we have with orthopedic issues, OA, um, and like you said, like the tendon issues with cutting and whatnot, really kind of stem a lot of the, from the equine research. I had no idea until, you know, we were talking about that. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, from an orthopedic perspective, um, human orthopedic surgeons and equine orthopedic surgeons have been working together for decades to, to try to make headway and to try to make progress within what we know about translational orthopedic injury. And horses have very similar cartilage to humans. You know, the, the equine stifle is analogous to the human knee. Anatomically, they're very similar. Um, and it gives us a way, you know, to learn about both species. And that's really been an exciting part of, of orthopedic research that we have is, you know, how can we reduce re-injury re rates in humans and horses? How can we benefit um, both species to speed recovery times, reduce re-injury rates, and overall, um, you know, improve quality of life? And some of the horses that we work with aren't necessarily going back to athletic careers. They might be a stallion who's, who's had a very long successful career, who's now, you know, being used for reproduction. So on those horses, we're just looking to make them as comfortable as possible, similar to, to some of your patients as well. And, and, and how do we match, you know, all of the workload intensity and, and that, and I hope we can discuss kind of workload intensity as well at some point on this podcast, because I think that's also a super interesting concept for both. That's one of the things yeah. that I, I'm really curious about, you know, you're talking about treating these injuries and, and, you know, rehabbing in a similar way, you know, how do you, um, how do you really initiate uh, strength training and, and, you know, you don't have to give away your magic sauce or anything, but <laughs> Um, you know, what kind of um, interventions do you do that create that kind of specific load to tissue and, and how do you really go about trying to yeah. um, dose Yeah, and how out? do we get those amazing butt pictures on our website? Exactly, right. That's it. So, <laughs> so yeah, there. The, there, is, there is a difference. There is a secret sauce. And the things that go into that secret sauce, we do have resistance bands for horses that we use. Um, we do have uh, varying levels of weight or strength training that we're able to titrate through a horse's controlled exercise program. Um, I'm also a big fan of the aquatic 
work. So the underwater treadmill therapy for horses. So not speaking to swimming pools, but actually an underwater treadmill as a form of controlled exercise. Um, and we do have, you know, what we call core strengthening exercises. So the, the employees, the staff that we have at our rehab center are all quite trained and they're trained um, by myself to perform specific exercises that are prescribed um, for each and every single horse. So similar to you would have someone doing, um, you know, a knee flexion and extension, we have a version on the equine side of things. And we also work a lot on balance and neuromotor control. So we have different balance pads that are different gradients of, of firmness. Um, and once a horse progresses, we can actually combine those core strengthening exercises with the balance pads. Um, so really, you know, titrating it out and seeing what are the most strength gains and the, the balance gains that we can get. Because as you know, through any physical therapy program, if you're missing one of those cornerstones, if you make a really strong human, but you didn't focus on the balance, you're not going to have the best end result possible. So you really have to globally treat everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, the trick to equine rehab is, is getting these horses to do the things you wanted them to do without them realizing you wanted them to do it. So we've got to get really creative about, you know, how we go about doing that. And it's been fun and it's, it's totally a new frontier. And we're even starting to get as proactive as prehab, you know, so getting these horses in before their orthopedic procedure, before their surgery. Um, so for example, the stifle, which would be analogous to the human knee, we'll actually get those horses in and we'll work on strength training through their biceps fem um, and through all of those big stifle stabilizer muscles so that when they do come out on the other side of that surgery, they're more comfortable and they can, they can be stronger to start a rehab program sooner. Um, and I'm a huge believer that the strength gains or the strength losses during a convalescence period are hugely important and they do delay recovery. So what are the ways that we can keep everything strong and moving and flexible um, in that downtime? And veterinarians used to think that, you know, stall rest was a thing. And I tell, I tell my clients, I'm like, if uh, you as a human patient, you're not prescribed couch rest for an injury. In fact, that's been shown to be detrimental to your tendon injury or to your joint injury. So we've got to be able to, to integrate ways to physically rehab, but that are safe for delicate or healing tissue. And that's really the genesis of where all of this began. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, you know, you, you hear a lot with the quote unquote overuse injuries. Oh, we just need to rice it, just rest, ice, compress and elevate. And then two weeks later, magic happens and everyone's better. You know, and we always say, I say in the course, like, man, you're typically worse off after that two weeks of just resting than what you were initially. Um, and the original issue is still there, especially when you start to resume activities. And from the human perspective, I mean, I think, Johnny, that, that's where BFR came in is, you know, what do we do? Because we can't, we can't load these guys. These guys don't tolerate loading. And so from there we have, and, but we can't do lightweight resistance exercise because it's pointless. We're not getting any results. Um, and then that's when we start to see BFR get implemented with low loads um, and we get similar results to high load training. So is that kind of the genesis of where you uh, you started to develop an interest with equine with um, using BFR with them. 
Yeah, totally, Zach. So horses, just like your humans, um, you know, they, they experience fractures and they have to go undergo fracture repairs. Um, they experience significant soft tissue injuries that are so severe to the point that they can't actually ambulate comfortably or safely in and around that injury. And so through my PhD, you know, I'm, I'm primarily a tendon um, person and, and my whole passion is tendon. But as I've gotten further down the BFR route, I've realized that, you know, the BFR isn't strictly to the tendon necessarily. Um, and the tendon is related to the myotendinous junction and the muscle above it and strengthening mm -hmm. the muscle above it you know, can that engineer us a stronger tendon um, in the long run? So yeah, for our, for our purposes, you know, we wanted to be able to help those horses that really aren't physically able to do, um, men, you know, not able to experience damaging loads or any form of exercise safely. So how could we strategize the use of BFR as a rehabilitative tool um, in order to lessen the intensity of the work that we're doing, but still augment the strength gains and still wake everything up from a cellular perspective to keep the ball rolling from a healing perspective. So that was really our, our genesis of, of doing this. And I actually was at the Vail Scientific Summit um, when I first very first learned of BFR. And I listened to a fabulous talk by Dr. Brian Noren from University of Kentucky and I, I approached him after the talk and, and said, I think we should be doing this in horses and we're not right now. And he says, I don't know anything about horses, but I'm, I'm happy to help you in any way that I can with the technology and to, to figure it out. And, and Adam Ants was at that meeting as well. And I, I visited with him about it too. And there's obvious um, anatomic differences in horses and humans, and there's different access to major muscle groups. That's kind of our biggest downfall with equine BFR is that we can't put it as far approximately as what you all do on the human leg. Um, but it was basically that, um, that conference that really got my wheels turning about, you know, could we use this? And, and I found those two papers that describe, you know, kind of peripherally the a variation of BFR in horses, and it wasn't personalized or anything like that. It was a standard cuff pressure. Um, but then I learned about Owen's recovery science, and I love custom things. Everything that I do on the rehab end is custom, and I believe that it it's best when it's specific to the patient, including pressures. And so then I, you know, found the course in Lexington. I wasn't at a horse show at that period. So I booked it and I went and I remembered, you know, you guys passed around a, a sheet of paper at the beginning of the training session. And you said, you know, write down your state licenses. Well, because I travel with modified NASCAR trailer practice, I have like nine or 10, you know, states that I'm licensed in. And so I wrote all of them down because I didn't know what show off. And Zach approached my table later and he was pretty quiet and he said, are you, um, are you the vet? And I said, yeah, I am. And he, you know, he said, you have nine state licenses. I was like, yeah, it's a different deal. So, um, but we had actually, you know, at that point in time, can I tell this story now, Zach? Cause it's a super cool story. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I'm that so excited time, about that. Yeah. Um, when I had attended the Owens Recovery Science um, certification course, 
I had not, um, I didn't have any clinical experience with BFR like myself. I, you know, I didn't know what it was and I, I very much wanted to learn, but I had also applied for funding for grants um, to do an equine BFR study. I had applied many times and I had been absolutely rejected every single time. And it was mostly because I didn't have pilot data and, you know, it's this perpetual cycle, right? Like if it's never really been done in horses and you don't have the, but you're applying to get pilot study, but they don't fund you because you don't have a pilot study. It's this really vicious cycle, right? And so Zach and I had um, some think tank conversations at that meeting about the use of equine BFR and, um, and how passionate I was that it can help horses and, and that we can make a really big difference, just like you guys have on the human side of things. And so um, I did get a small, um, a small amount of money then to do a pilot study. And Zach is actually the one who helped me design the specifics around that pilot study, in addition to Dr. Norin um, from University of Kentucky. So helped me extrapolate the a walking exercise protocol for horses um, helped me work on the fit of the cuff and getting the, the LOP readings and, you know, figuring part of that out. But um, before that had even happened, um, I said to Zach, I said, well, I'm going to be in Georgia. You live in Georgia. I'm going to be in Georgia for this horse show. Why don't you come to the horse show and let's see if we can get a reading on a horse. You know, that was really the first step. And so Zach comes out, he's got his Owens Recovery Science, you know, earn your deflate t-shirt on <laughs> and shorts which no one's dressed like that at the horse show <laughs> we we got a, a pony horse and so a pony horse is a horse that's used to exercise the show horses for any of you who don't know from a very good client of mine who was like yeah he's great you know try whatever you want and we took the cuff and I had ultrasound on the trailer as well. So when we got the LOP reading, I just verified on, um, on pulse Doppler that the blood flow, you know, went away and we were able to see turbulence in the vessel, you know, kind of state consistent with stasis. And so, although we hadn't validated for horses that 80% occlusion is, is truly 80%, we knew we were getting some level of occlusion and then we worked to fine tune of how we could get the cuff to stay in place. The horse tolerated it great. Um, we were able to perform, you know, some just test runs of walking exercise. And while I was in Georgia, it was super weird, but I did have some of the best barbecue oh, that I have we're ever had. We're, we are oh, waiting for that. Up. That was a setup. This is no. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not, not unless whatsoever. you found Myron yeah. Mixon to come down there and cook <laughs> you. Exactly. You just lost your Texas oh, citizenship. Yeah, no. God, please, Jerry. I mean, oh. and that, what that did you grease the wheels with? That, Zach? That's uh, what I want to know. Okay, okay. So, anyway, did Zach promise you what are we gonna what do we have to do beyond beyond the barbecue that I had? That time period in Georgia of us putting it on the horse for the very first time was huge. So we took the everything we had learned from that experience. I applied it forward um, to the pilot study that we then did about a year ago here at CSU. Owens Recovery Science has been instrumental um, in helping me figure out the, the machine, the settings, how I'm going to get this to work. And just so you know, I've had more people tell me that it won't work and it won't be possible than I ever have had 
tell me that it's a great idea. So, but I'm stubborn, right? And I refuse to believe that this isn't um, the next greatest thing that we have for horses. So I, you know, I couldn't be more thankful for, um, for your help, the help of Dr. Brian Noren, all of my mentors here at CSU that have been in my corner saying, you know, keep going, keep pushing, um, because we're in a really cool spot with it. It was really cool seeing some of those pictures of you trying to figure out LOP and getting LOP. That was, you know, initially we, we even talked cause Delphi, they do a lot of animal tourniquet work for the DOD and, um, they haven't had great success with a horse just because they were, they were trying to do stuff on the hind limb and it was more of a, a, a cuff fit. Um, but that LOP wasn't crazy different than a human's LOP. Um, so yeah. I was like, man, it's probably gonna be like 500 or something because it's yeah. such a long limb and yeah. Yeah, it's actually quite similar. And that's what Zach and I, you know, we talked about the, the max pressure that the Delphi unit was able to measure. And we honestly had no idea what was gonna happen. I had no idea if the horse was gonna hate it. I had no idea if the machine was even gonna be able to get a reading. Mm -hmm. The anatomy is just different. And you, you can tell your human patient like, mm -hmm you know, lay down and be still while this yeah. takes a read and the horse doesn't give two craps about that. So we have to figure out how, how that's all going to go. And there's still, we still have some work. We're going to validate the LOP readings um, in my, my big study that, that will start in about a month. We're going to validate that and make sure that the reading is, um, that it is accurate. And if it's not what we need to do, because that reading is super important and uh, it's it's been the whole foundation to that custom, the personalized BFR that is the mantra. So yeah. we're, we just wanna make sure on the front end that we're being as accurate as possible with that. And while you're getting an LLP, the horse pretty much just standing there, it's got no issues, yeah. it's not freaking out or anything? Yeah, it just, no. it just stands. And you can tell the DOD I've made progress on the hind limb situation. Okay. I can't give all my <laughs> away but all i right. have been working on it the tease so. i love it yes all right that's great oh. johnny i I, re I remember we're, we're in this trailer and let me tell you what dude it was like the beginning of july in georgia a million degrees this, yeah and we're in we're in this nascar trailer and um sherry's like yeah so i got this pony horse coming over really nice really good should have no problems whatever this horse was a little stubborn to begin with at first <laughs> and then you know, going back to your question about who's ridden horses. So like, I'm just kind of hanging out. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm the BFR guy here. I'm just, you know, putting it on whatever. I'm the cool guy and in my shorts. Yeah. 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 And, and they're doing, they're doing all their, their horse stuff. And Sherry goes, yeah, don't stand behind him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dummy. That's rule number one, Zach. I mean, Zach was I mean, giving me anxiety because he stood right in front of the horse's leg. And I was just like, I can't yeah. get Zach killed. Like yeah. Zach has to live through this experience. And we both yeah. were so excited when it got a reading. I mean, we just, we lost it. And then of course yeah. there's a bunch of, um, you know, people around the horse show that are interested. They're seeing us doing this stuff. And then they say, well, what is this? And even our resident, you know, he wanted to try the BFR. So the next thing I know, yeah. Zach has got him in a cuff and he's doing quad. <laughs> And I'm like, you gotta get back to work. Like, what's happening here? And then afterward, you know, I had to hear him complain the whole day about how how tired his legs were. <laughs> so, but, so, are are you working with Brian 
Norin still, he's a good friend of ours. And I know he yeah, was initially he, there. Is he a consultant? He's been, he's been an awesome mentor um, to me. He helped us design the big study that we have going. Um, we want to, I try to keep him as involved as I can and everything because he's absolutely brilliant. And the things that he's doing um, within the myogenic stem cell population yeah. and quadriceps uh, rehab is so fascinating to mm -hmm. me. So, um, I keep asking him if I can come and hang out, you know, in his lab and hang out with the human physical therapist for a while. And he said, that's fine. As long as I put a presentation together about how we rehab uh, horses, because yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. What can thing. you do for me? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just think they're all fascinated with, yeah. you know, how on earth do you get things like that accomplished on horses? Well, especially because. for him being up there in Lexington, you know, where it's like yeah. horse central. And also now he has Chris Fry up there yes. who is, yeah. is brilliant. So whatever you can do to, we've been really lucky. Uh, you know, we had Chris down here at UTMB and now he's up there, but I think some of his work along with Brian's would be amazing yeah. for the equine world. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I aimed for the fence with this one um, in my PhD, meaning like I wanted to do something that was totally out of the box and totally different than what had been done before. I wanted to do something novel and cool and and amazing and so i picked bfr and then i identified who were the big fish in the bfr pond and obviously johnny owens all of you of owens recovery science are defining that standard and so i went for it and and tried to get to know you guys unfortunately you were super cool and have been amazing and and then brian noren was another one of those very big fish that was on the bucket list of wouldn't it be cool if this person knew who I was? Wouldn't it be cool if this person could help us, you know, push this forward? And it's it's been such an amazing journey. It's been a wild ride. And um, we've accomplished so much in, in just a year's time where, you know, all of the equine grant mechanisms were turning me down because it seemed crazy. Um, now we've actually finally gotten some funding and we're excited to to move forward. So what's that next step? Are, are you moving into those trials now? Yeah, in about a month, um, they will start. They were delayed a bit because of the COVID, um, but we will start with the big project um, here in about a month and we'll go from there. And, and we're excited, you know, to see what next. I, of course, have like 10 things down the list that I want to do that are similar to what you all have had to do, meaning what is the, the exact cuff width that we should be using um, is the pressure that we need the same as what you as what you guys have shown on the, the human end of things, meaning do we need at least 40%? Could we go even lower than that? Um, making sure the LOP is accurate, um, making sure that it's safe and it's tolerated and make sure that um, in no way, shape or form does it damage tissues. And I think we will find that it doesn't, but we need to figure out and, and just make sure that it's safe before we can, you know, apply it mainstream in a clinical setting. So, and it, you know, it needs to be something that remains very sacred to the field of physical therapy. This is not something that I want a horse person to listen to this podcast and think they can just go out and start doing BFR on their horses because that's not at all what I'm going for. Um, it needs to be utilized as a rehabilitative tool to transition horses back to um, the workloads that that are when they are safe. And I'm a you know I'll 
put my plug in for that. But, you know, I, we all want to make sure that it's used appropriately and it's not being, um, its use is not being misguided. Awesome. Yeah, just the freaking orthobiologics question alone. I think y'all can drive us forward so much more because it's been, we, you know, and you know, Adam, and he's been really trying to get some trials going, but orthopedics is just floundering with orthobiologics. And we have with BFR and orthobiologics trying to define what the question really is, what matters. And, you know, I, I think we can, we're showing that what we think matters, we can, we can spike it, we can bring it up, but getting a, a real study where we can see, does that change anything? functionally, physiologically, we haven't been able to, to tap that yet. Yeah. And, you know, similar to, you know, kind of in that same vein, you guys are the, the human field is way further ahead than the horses in tracking workloads and like workload intensity and making mm -hmm. sure that the intensity of workload that a human, that an athlete is doing in a practice session matches that or is of similar intensity to the game setting you guys are way farther ahead um, than us in that regard. We're still trying to figure out, you know, how we can measure that, how we can track it and how we can strategize it in the athletic training scenario. Um, but the biologics have been an, an active area of research for horses for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not saying that we know more about it than the human side of things does, but we've done a lot of, a lot of work on the biologics, the PRP, um, you know, we have more stem cell options than you guys do, obviously, but um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting and how BFR plays into that. I don't, yeah. you know, that again is just like bringing the two giants together, but I, I yeah. do think there's a relationship and we don't fully understand that yet, but we're getting closer. That's, I guess I mentioned before the call, Adam and I were at the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons meeting and I was discussing right when you were kicking off and he, that was the number one thing. He's like, oh my God, we got to find a, a way to get in with him with biologics because, and, and there was a couple of ortho docs with me and it's kind of like what Zach said earlier, I had no idea how much translational research we have gotten from the equine world. They're like, yeah, he's, you know, at the conference meetings when when their big dogs come here and speak, like we're all there trying to listen because it's, it's, it's really translationally very yeah. important to orthopedics. We, we're all fighting the same orthopedic beast, right? It's just on yeah. different animals. We deal with meniscal tears. We deal with osteoarthritis. We deal with tendon injuries. Um, yeah. You know, the Achilles being somewhat analogous to the superficial digital flexor tendon in a horse, which is the, the bulk of my work. Um, we deal with enthesis injuries. We deal with compartment syndrome stuff, um, neuritis, chronic pain, um, decreases in functional range of motion, and um, you know atrophy, muscle, muscle um, atrophy, weakness. Yeah. All of all of those things we have. I think the more that all of us can work together on it, you know, the the faster we'll get to a better product. I think I think all of that's fascinating, Sherry. Um, and I apologize apologize because I cut out my router. I had to reset it and everything. Um, so if y'all have covered this already, then um, we can forward to the second part of my question. I, I I am very curious about how do you structure a program for a horse, that kind of thing. Um, did y'all cover that already while I was gone? We did a little bit, yeah, Kyle, little bit. but it um, you know it really depends on the horse's original injury. 
Um, mm -hmm. It depends on the extent, severity, chronicity of that original injury. Um, it depends on the biomechanical deficiencies they have as a result of that injury. So do they have secondary pain and muscle weakness as a result of that? Um, and then overall what the horse does for a living or is expected to do for a living um, thereafter. It, that whole thing, um, you know, without going into hours and hours of how we structure the rehab plans, um, but each rehab plan is, is custom for each horse. Each rehab plan addresses the specific injury, but also the global strength of that horse. So we work on proprioception, balance, neuromotor control, targeted strength training, resistance bands. We'll use ground pole exercises similar to, you know, the, the speed ladder work that you guys do, aquatic exercise. Um, but people like other veterinarians will always ask me, well, what's your protocol for injury XYZ for a minister? <laughs> oh, that's the right? uh, protocol like, question. Right. You're going to trigger all of this right now. Yeah. I don't have. I <laughs> no, don't there isn't have. one. I know yeah. you don't use injury-specific protocols. Thank you. Every single plan that I make is custom from the ground up. I have yet to this day after rehabbing over 300 head of horses that I've never built the same exact plan. Yeah. Every single it's one. It's understanding exercise fizz. Like you said earlier, yeah. it's, you know, seeing what you can and cannot do and, and knowing where you have to get to. Um, so the second part of my question, that was awesome, by the way. Um, the second part of my question is more like a challenge because what I really think we need from you is some CSM presentations. So we have a big national conference every year. And I think, Honestly, and I'm being, I'm kidding about this, but not really. I'm, I'm actually quite serious because I think too often um, we live in our own little bubble, like you said, you know, yeah. and we need, we need people kind of crossing that bridge and, and, and talking. And I think someone like you that has this experience of taking a horse that operates at a high level and presenting within our, our, our sports academy, for example, at CSM would be fascinating because one of the things that I have found in my career is if you're really paying attention, you can learn from people in all different fields. Like one of the, the, the best things I ever did in my personal practice was to go out back where we had a hitting coach who was working with kids and just watch how he got them to do certain things, you know? Yeah. Um, and the simplicity with which he would communicate a complex task that he wanted that kid to accomplish or, or the way he would constrain the environment. I'm watching this and I'm going, well, hell, why didn't I think of that for the patient I just worked with? You know, like that's genius. And it was yeah. so simple. And it was from decades of teaching people how to hit a baseball that, and, and continuing to learn because this guy was into all the data and launch angle and, and all these different things as well. So he was informed, but then there was just this um, baseline experience that he had that, that, that he knew, all right, this particular kid, I can say this thing or do this drill and I can get the result, and now we can work at trying to reproduce that. And so I think come, someone coming from a, a, an animal model, again, where you, not like you can tell them, move this way or do that. I think there's so much that our field can learn from you guys, and it would be awesome to, to have you. So that's the challenge. And then oh, we can all I, go have beers at CSM after. Absolutely. I Sign me up, whatever we need to do. I would be in full support of that. And be great. I work with you know, Zach, I've worked with Zach a lot, but I have other human strength and conditioning coaches that I work with and they're working with the NFL and NBA level 
um, athletes and I pick their brains all we we're back and forth all the time and I've had so many aha moments um, in in those conversations and in those casual think tanks about how I'm how I'm approaching rehab of a specific injury and and what I need to be doing differently and, and really thinking outside of the box. And, and sometimes though the best conversations happen after a couple cocktails, you know, when you're really just sitting in, I like to call it sessions where we drink and talk about horses. Um, and I will often do that with, with some of my mentors when I, you know, I'm really trying to get to the bottom of a difficult case that I can't figure out. Um, but the, the human side, I mean, you all blow me away. Um, every time I've I've ever had a conversation with you with someone about the athlete themselves, um, they've they've gotten so sophisticated on the human end of things that you know they're they're th- they're looking at sleep patterns and they're looking at emotional status and you know did an athlete's girlfriend break up with him and now it's affecting him and I have no idea I think my horse has some level of emotion like that but we don't know right so you guys are able to to dive into so many things that, that we can't. But um, at the end of the day, the horse tells you if the horse feels better um, and the horses that truly love their jobs and have that really strong constitution to go back and do that level of work. Like they're amazing athletes, just like the LeBron James and you know, it's, it's the same type of passion. So I would love that Kyle. You got to be careful, Sherry, because I I think if you've you've listened to the other podcasts, um, you're probably contributing to to Kyle's fantasy land, which uh, is a scary place to go go to. Uh, I I know Kyle has been thinking about if he could treat patients without patients being able to talk, um, that would probably uh, significantly contribute. Kyle is going to pull like a scroll out of his beard at any point in time. (laughs) unwrap this like magical solution he's gonna be in the clinic giving patients carrots before they do their exercises alfalfa cubes see if that got them to buy into my program sherry the the course you attended we we kept it in reality we didn't delve off into fantasy land um you know that that's yeah, that, that's that's a that's a left coast uh, hey hey look zach we never move forward if we don't look to the future partner you we know how just... weird people looked at me at that at that training certification i mean they were just like you do what you want to do what and to me i'm normal right because i'm surrounded by other totally. veterinarians so when you don't get out of your own bubble like you said kyle like you know yeah people... that's the problem right it's like yeah. that's that's a problem that they looked at you that way and now it's like, well, hell, we can shake that tree. Yeah, I mean, that problem. I we've all got similar things we're dealing with. Yeah, and it most, yeah, it was very high level, Zach, and it was it was a great course. I would encourage anyone that is is on the fence and thinking about it, one hundred percent, do it. Like it was, I kind of took a leap of faith, and I wasn't sure what would come out of it, but it absolutely blew my mind in terms of the information provided, the level of expertise around the use of the Delphi system, like absolutely blown away. Thank you. So what's next steps? Um, You see this just kind of research cloud just exploding for BFR and equine um, from fractures to, to tendons and muscle atrophy to angiogenesis to pain maybe. 
Um, yeah. 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 All of those things. And, and we still, we have a lot of work to do. I mean, the first study that's going to start is going to be huge and it's going to, um, really lay some, some amazing foundational work down. Um, but then I think we as a profession, meaning BFR users, whether you're veterinary or, or human, um, we can start to have those conversations about what are the next steps that we need to take um, to really learn more about this technology and to further guide its safe use. And I have tons of ideas and, and you know, a million steps down the road that I, that I want to accomplish with this research. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, I, we want to get it, um, to a point where it can be something that's more clinically utilized in certain, for certain cases. Um, and it's not that veterinarians have never done it. There are a handful of really progressive sports medicine veterinarians out there, um, that have tried it, but, but to my knowledge, none of them have done the custom BFR. None of them have done the personalized pressure and really gotten that sophisticated about it. So I'm super excited to kind of blow that wide open. Dude, I'm so excited. I, I want to uh, just yeah. go work equine now. Y'all need to come down to Whitesboro I'm, and hang I'm, out. I'm, I'm doing that. 100%. That's exactly what yeah, I was going to say. I'm like, I want to come hang out. I want to spend a day or two and just see what you have I a, do. You have a standing and, invitation, Kyle. Yeah, and I'm in. Yeah, the, yeah. the most badass stallion that we have rehabbing there. Oh, like, yeah. We got it. I can, I can ride that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe not ride it, but yeah, uh, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. you can know where not to stand at least. Yeah, yeah, I well, won't get hurt. I kept Zach safe. So. Yeah, barely. <laughs> surely, surely, I can keep you you safe. I just don't want your beard to like scare the horses. Like I don't know how some of them will feel about the beard. You know, let me know what grooming I need to make, and we'll we'll see. If I need a mask up, we can. Yeah. They'll, they'll, just, they'll just look at you and think that the mane is on the wrong side. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. We can, we can braid it like you do the little horses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, some ornaments had... for it for Christmas. I can put the ornaments in. If that... that's, yeah. that's what we had to do to keep the cuff on. We, we had to braid the mane. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, knowledge bombs like that, that's how Zach is getting, you know, shout out in my PhD dissertation, Dunkel oh, and all. Because oh. he knew how to braid? <laughs> uh, it's because i come up with the idea the idea you know keep, keep it on my feet he's an idea oh. man he's a problem solver idea man for sure i, I agree yeah. so um, funny the the pictures and videos that we've seen is so so cool i can't wait for the papers to get out there and you to start doing presentations for us um as well and yeah. i think uh, we're gonna learn uh, a ton from this so you need a combo so, course one of these days a human yeah. slash horse so you need course. to go to their website check out these case studies check out just the the horse underwater treadmill is is worth yeah. worth time alone my favorite case study champagne that was my favorite horse on there yeah. i mean she, she or he i didn't really look close enough but she got yoked from from start to finish that mare is a badass johnny you is, picked a good one did I? All right. Totally yeah. badass. Big, big Will. I like Big Will as well, but Champagne really got my eyes. So. Also badass. It's all yeah. that, that West Texas uh, upbringing coming back there. It is. Yeah. God dang, if I, if I was barrel racing on Champagne, crush <laughs> it in Crane, Texas, man. I would have crushed it. She would eat you for lunch, Johnny. I, I hate to say it. <laughs> 
but yeah, she is funny. like a Ferrari. Yeah, and, really. um, she looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on. This is very, very cool stuff. I think uh, it's going to get a lot of people interested and just hearing from your side of the i can already hear all the pts like i want to get into equine and start doing mm-hmm. equine rehab now too so watch out sherry you know you know, have a lot of us posers trying to get into your lane which we don't <laughs> yeah. they'll run up against one bad one and they'll have enough of that yeah, yeah exactly yeah well cool well thanks so much for coming on sherry yeah. thank you guys for having me loved it cool. yeah stay in touch Thanks for listening to the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. Owens Recovery Science is a single source for PTs, OTs, ATCs, DCs, MDs, and other medical professionals seeking certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com.